Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through 26. And it says this, now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl was possessed with a spirit of divination and she met us. She brought her masters much profit by fortune telling and this girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, now listen to this, these men are servants of the most high God. Was what she's saying true? It's very true. These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way. Everybody say the way. The way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the what? He said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. Now, this is not my context for this morning, but it's certainly a good um, exit ramp to get off really quickly and, and say this, that you can be, and I said this to the worship team um, in the green room as we were briefing, um, you can say the right things or do the right things and do it in the wrong spirit. Does that make sense? You guys have seen me being a little bit more cautious with the microphone. It's not because I want to rule over the microphone. Is I just want to make sure that Jesus is being glorified in everything that is being said and done. Every prophetic word because God is a God of order. Everything that he does should be done decently and in order. We're good with the prophetic. We're good with laying hands. We're, we believe in laying hands on the sick and they'll be healed. But as long as it's all done decently and in order. So all things should be done in, in an order. Amen? Amen. So... So just to kind of give you the context, this is the reason that Paul and Silas actually end up in jail. And so he was greatly annoyed and he commanded this spirit to come out of her and it came out of her or he came out of her in that very hour. But watch what happens to Paul and Silas. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities and they brought them to the magistrates and said, these men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city and they teach the customs which are not lawful for us being Romans to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on Paul and Silas, they threw them into prison. Everybody say prison. prison. And commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison. And this is the reason why I'm here. He put him into the inner prison. Everybody say the inner prison. prison. Put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Everybody say the stocks. But at midnight, thank God for midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Come on, they weren't on Facebook. They weren't on Instagram. They weren't on Twitter. They were praying and they were singing hymns to God. And the prisoners was listening. There's somebody who's always listening. 
The prisoners were listening to them and suddenly, everybody say suddenly, there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. How many want a prayer life like that? To when you pray, demons hear you. To when you pray, they flee. When you pray, situations and circumstances that don't align with what God says about it, line up. So when they prayed, when they sung hymns, there was a great earthquake, so suddenly the foundation of the prisons were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were broken. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. You may take your seats. I want to show you this, this picture I found online because I want to talk about the imprisonment of Paul and Silas, which... I just want to take another little side road. It's amazing to me how many people that love the Lord genuinely think that just because they live right and do right, they think they get right. Y'all aren't saying nothing this morning. There are many times, I think I'm guilty of this many times, this, I call it the spirit of woe is me, that when you go to church, you're in church every single Sunday, you pray, you even do your little Joyce Myers devotional, and you think because of all of that, you even do your prayer ritual six o'clock in the morning, or maybe yours is at 12 o'clock on the treadmill after you had your cup of coffee. It takes, some of you take a little while longer to get up. But you go through these rituals, you think that just because you're a believer, you love God with all your heart, you follow after him. But not just because you do right doesn't mean you always end up with right. The Bible talks about suffering. We don't talk about suffering anymore. And this is what Pilus, excuse me, Pilus, that's their new name. This is what Silas and Paul are experiencing. They're experiencing wrongdoings towards them, but yet they did something that was right. They were out there establishing the kingdom. They were out there preaching the gospel. They were doing God's work, and yet they end up in a place that doesn't look like what they think it should be. And so their punishment was to be tied to what we call stocks. Now, these stocks are, don't mistake the word socks for stocks, but these stocks were like wooden beams that looked like they came off of a railroad. And what happened is, is they, would, they were joined together and there were, there were holes that were bored out that were only about the circumference of the size of your ankle. And so they would tie these men up in these stocks. They would put their ankles in there so that they had no movement and sometimes they would be locked up in these stocks for days and days at a time, sometimes weeks or even months at a time. Now, I have to tell you, I love my wife. I love her. She's probably going to get on me after the service, but it's okay. I'm safe right now. I love being with my wife. I love spending time with her. She is, we were friends first, so she's like a really cool friend. And, but when we go on road trips, it's not, I don't jump up and down when it's you know, time to go on road trips because it seems like we have to stop you know, every fifth exit. I mean, can you imagine being tied to these stocks, having your feet tied to them? If you're, just imagine, I want you to imagine this environment. Like we see this picture, it kind of looks kind of cool. It's an animated picture, their feet are in the stocks. But what the story is not telling you is that more than likely, these men were here for days or even weeks, and they had nowhere to use the restroom. I mean, they couldn't even get up to relieve themselves. It, we wouldn't go an hour 
in those stocks, me and my wife, you know, if we were in those stocks together, you know, because she's got to stop every fifth exit. The Lord blessed her with a bladder the size of a pea, you know. And so I can't imagine their frustration. I can't imagine the stench. I can't imagine the pain on their ankles. I can't imagine, especially some of you busybodies, uh, somebody asking you to stay still for five minutes, much less days or even weeks at a time. And God will sometimes allow us to get in situations where we are bound. I didn't say cause it. I said allow it. Just to see if you'll still focus on him instead of focusing on the situation. Right? And what I love about them is their response. Paul and Silas's response to heartache, to pain, to difficulty, to hardship. They sung. They prayed. You know, you ever heard that saying? I said to my friend who's from the Dominican Republic this morning, um, I said, you ever heard the American um, term, sing your socks off? If you're American, you've heard that term before, sing your socks off. Can, has anybody ever heard that? that that's what Pilate, excuse me, uh, Saul and Pilate, uh, Saul and Silas, well, it was Saul and, yeah, Saul, he was Saul at that time. Paul and Silas were doing, I need to go take a class after this. They were singing their socks off, but, but today I don't want to preach a message about singing your socks off because certainly that's what they were doing. I want to minister a message this morning, and I feel it's appropriate for the times in which we're living in after seeing so many people going through so many circumstances, and there's so many different problems represented in the room today. But I want to minister a message this morning called, Sing Your Stocks Off. Come on, on, look at somebody this morning and nudge them a little bit and say, sing your stocks off. Come on, look at somebody else and say, no matter what you're facing, sing your stocks off. And you know what I love about this whole story is that they didn't have this conditional praise. It wasn't based on what they were going through. It was an unconfined praise. It wasn't restrained. Now, I know some of us, you know, how when you're going through really good times and your bills are paid, it's almost like your vocals get higher the, the, the better, you know, off you are. The better your season is, is like the more emphatic your praise gets, the, the, the more energy. Come on, y'all aren't talking to me this morning. Sometimes we allow our circumstance to define the volume of our praise. But their praise wasn't based on what they were going through. Their praise was based on how they thought about, how they saw Almighty God. And so when I think about people today, much of their praise to God is circumstantial. It's based on what they're going through. Like, I'll sing for the Lord if I'm going through. If I can keep my bills paid, I will certainly come to church on Sunday morning. Come on, y'all ain't saying nothing to nobody. But the harder life gets, come on, the more it beats you down. And one week you'll stay at home on the couch. And then the next week, and you fall into this pattern of, I can't serve God because my situation's not right. Not realizing that your situation would get right if you would have an unconditional or unconfined praise towards God. And the Lord wants to develop this every single believer. Oh, buckle your seatbelts this morning. We're going to have some fun this morning. The Lord wants to develop in each and every one of us a praise like Paul and Silas has. Come on. He wants to develop in us this unconfined worship towards him that's not based on my environment. My bills don't necessarily have to be paid. Certainly we want them paid, but it doesn't. Listen, just because your bills aren't paid and just because your situations don't look like what God promised you doesn't mean he doesn't deserve all of your praise. This morning, I can tell you that he deserves our uninterrupted 
unconfined praise like Paul and Silas were giving him. Come on, somebody say amen to that. I was listening this morning, really early in the morning. I ran across this guy. I've never really listened to preach. I've heard about him for years. His name is Darius Daniel, so I have to contribute the quote to him as he was the one who coined it. But he said this this morning. He said, praise is not therapy, but it is therapeutic. But because it requires shifting our mind off of the immediacy of our problem to the enormity of God. When I pray, I talk to God about my problems, but when I praise, I talk to my problems about how big God is. Come on, and that's how, see the shift that we have to make. Instead of calling everybody and Lottie Dottie and telling them about our problems, we should be praising God in the midst of our problems because that many times is the key. I'm not saying that if you just say you love God or you praise God, everything is gonna change overnight. Sometimes it's a process. Look at somebody and say, it's a process. But there is something to be said about what happens in the spirit. Because do you know your praise and your worship is spiritual? If you could simply see what's happening in the spirit realm when you're worshiping God. Because listen, when we're worshiping God, even when it doesn't feel good, you know what we call that? Sacrifice. You know what we call praise and worship when everything is going good? Conditional worship, which is not worship at all. And true worship, when you're going through hardship, trial, pain, suffering, this is what gets the attention of God. If you, if you understood sacrifice fully, I think I would get a better amen than that. But let me just tell you this. In the Old and the New Testament, when sacrifices were made, depending on the smell, determined the smell of the sacrifice, how clean and how pure it was, was dependent upon whether it caught God's nostrils or not. It was the scent. You know what prayers, uh, excuse me, what incense represents in the Bible? Prayers of the saints. Incense represents prayers. Everybody say prayers. But also sacrifice brings incense too. And so when we praise God, when we love God, when we worship God out of sometimes a deep, painful place, do you know that gets God's attention? Do you know I heard, and I may have quoted this the other day, it said, God whispers in our pleasure but he shouts in our pain. In other words, God shows up more times when we're struggling and we worship because that is a sacrificial praise. That's a sacrificial worship and, and gets God attention for him to come by and stop where you are because you're worshiping out of a place where you don't necessarily have to, but you're going beyond yourself and you're looking at the enormity of God, right? Instead of looking at your temporal situation. Amen? I thought about this, that they were so bound to God that they didn't give two thoughts about being bound in the physical. Oh, that's so good. Because I know it's hard. The reason why many of us don't feel it so good is because we're caught in some tough situations right now. Like, how can I focus on God when it hurts so much? Can I tell you when you're sick in your body, if you've never been sick, try to praise God. If you're a praise and worshiper, when you get sick, it's the hardest thing to do. Isn't that right, James? When you're sick in your body or when you're hurt or when you have a loss of a loved one or when you're going through trial or when you're going through some type of a hardship that, that comes to rob you of your praise. Do you, do you know what I fully believe? The devil, if the, the devil knows that if your level of praise is based on your situation, he will see to it to trouble you consistently and constantly. Why? Because he's, 
He wants to steal what, rightful, what rightfully belongs to God. It's not even about you. Did you know that? Look at somebody this morning and say, it's not about you. Look at somebody else and say, did you know that? It's, it's really not about you. It's about the enemy of your soul, the enemy of my soul wanting to steal what rightfully belongs to Jesus, what rightfully belongs to God. Why did God create humanity? To worship him for companionship, for worship, because God can't really be, be God unless he's worshiped, right? That's what makes him God. He created you to worship him. Look at somebody else and say, he created you to worship him. And so the enemy will oftentimes frustrate your situation, not because he wants to destroy you, but because he wants to steal God's worship. Oh, you don't believe me? I want you to just read this story. It won't be up on the screen. You can write it down for your, for your own notes. In Job chapter one, verses six through 12, I won't read it all, but listen to this. It says, now when the day of the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, Satan came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from whence did you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, from going, going to and fro from the earth and walking back and forth on it. And then the Lord said to Satan, look at how God starts this stuff. The Lord started it. Do you see that? He said, from going to and fro on the earth. And then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Job was a worshiper. Job loved God. He said, there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and shuns evil. So Satan answered and said to the Lord, does Job fear God for nothing? In other words, you've given him a lot. That's why he loves you. That's why she loves you. Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the works of his hands and his possessions and have increased the land. But watch this. But now stretch out your hand, the devil says, and touch all that he has and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. In other words, don't kill him. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Do you know that there's conversations in the spirit realm about your relationship with God? Can't you almost hear the enemy say, just take his money, Lord. Just take her money, Lord. She only praises you based on condition. They only love you because it's conditional. They only go to church because you've blessed them. Come on, y'all ain't talking to me this morning. They only love you. Just, why don't you just do this, Lord? Come on, take the hedge off of their life and see if they will not stop serving you. But this wasn't, this wasn't the circumstance with Paul and Silas. It wasn't conditional. They had everything taken away from them, even their freedom, and yet their praise was bigger than any blessing that God could give them. In other words, they loved God more than they loved anything that, that could be materialized in the natural. And this is why it's so important. This is why it's so important praise and worship. Because it serves the enemy notice that our love for God is not based on how many blessings that we have and a few problems that we're not experiencing. Come on. It's based on the knowledge of how good God is and come on. How good I know to be God and, and, and no matter how much the situation tries to talk me out of how good he is, I will still yet praise him. 
Come on, there are so many men at the Bible. I hear this scripture even in my heart. It says, yet though he slay me, yet will I trust him. In other words, no matter what I'm going through, no matter how bound I am, no matter how addicted I am, no matter how many problems I have in my life, no matter if I can pay my bills or not, no matter if I'm sick in my body, no matter if I get the position or not, no matter if I'm, it doesn't matter because circumstances don't define my level of praise to God. I'm going to love him. I'm going to serve him. Come on. I'm going to get to the house of the Lord. Come on. I'm going to sacrifice praise to him no matter what it is that I'm going through because God deserves all of my praise and all of my worship. Come on. All of my adoration. I wish somebody would say amen to that. Come on, somebody say, he deserves it all. Imagine if Paul and Silas didn't praise God in this situation. They would have remained in bondage. Have you ever watched how hunters capture their prey? I, I, I love hunting. I love fishing. I'm... A little bit country, if you haven't sensed that. But I was watching an animal show when they make these little homemade traps. They're like, they look like a, a, wired, a wired string. And when a coyote who steals livestock would come by, they walk into this trap. And when, and when they step in it, the more the animal struggles, the more the, an, the, the animal is entrapped. The more they try to get out of it in their own strength, the more they're entrapped. Does everybody hear what I'm saying? And this is what our situations do. You have to be careful not to give your focus to, not to give your focus fully to what you're going through. Oh, I know it's hard. It's not disassociating yourself, but almost in a way you have to almost disassociate yourself from your situation because the more you try to pull away, the more it entraps you. But the more you praise, the more it looses you. The more you worship God, the more you give focus to God, the more you give adoration to him. This is why sometimes I just pray, you'll see me praising God louder and louder. Sometimes I may not even be feeling it. Sometimes I'll just keep praising him until I do feel it. When I start feeling the chains loose off of me, sometimes I'm not even, you know, I'm just praising because I'm like, Lord, I have to wipe this week off of me. Come on, y'all don't have, ever have situations like that where you're like, man, I've got to praise God. I've got to wipe these disappointments off of me. My kids have been acting up. The bills are acting up. Come on, you feel like the enemy has put a target over your life. And you have to just find, this is what the Bible says, gird up your own loins and begin to praise God and worship God in spite of what you're going through. And the more that you praise, the Bible says, the more you get loosed. And this is exactly what happened to Paul and Silas. The more they prayed, the more they praised God, the more they sung, all those little bondages begin to fall off them. Come on, somebody say amen to that. Amen. And another reason we sing our stop is because, come on, this is an old-fashioned word, is because he's worthy. He's worthy. Come on, somebody say, he's worthy. He is worthy of our praise. Listen, we don't worship. I don't come on Sunday mornings. As a matter of fact, I had a difficult week. If I were to tell you all the stuff I was, going, I was going through, you'd be like, hallelujah. I bet... Some of you would want to exchange mine for yours. Let me just say that. But we don't come here on Sunday mornings because our situations are good and everything is going great. 
As a matter of fact, if you decide to do what God wants you to do, let me just tell you, stocks will be waiting for you. Stocks that fit perfectly your size. But we praise him, I praise him, we should praise him because not because our situations are good. We worship because he's good. It's that simple. He's good. Somebody say he's good. And I can guarantee you that Paul and Silas didn't worship because the situation was good. Both physically, in the spirit, and in the natural, things stunk. Their situation stunk. Sometimes there's no other way to say it. Some of us just have stinky situations like, Lord, I just don't understand it. Come on. But they didn't worship because their situation was good. They worshiped because he was good. And you know what I believe the revelation they got was? They worshiped because they recognized where God still was. They, didn't, they, they knew where they were, but they recognized where God still was. Where was he? Still on the throne. Still on the throne. Can I just tell you this? I am very, am I happy about all that's going on in my life? And if, I would say no. And if I would ask, you would probably say the same. If I asked you after service, are you happy with what's going on in your life? You'd probably say no. I would like some things to change. Am I happy about what's going on in America? Absolutely not. Am I worried? Not even a smidge. Why? Because God's still on the throne. Because he cannot be removed from it. Because, look, they can impeach a president but they cannot impeach him. And from what, I, from what I know, he has no plans of resigning. He's good. And I know, listen to this, if we, would, if we would get this revelation of God being worthy, if they would get it, David, if we would get it, our culture would change. The whole culture the climate, the spiritual climate would change. It would change if we understood he was worthy. Can I, can I just go a little deeper? We don't, oh, Lord Jesus, it's gonna shake somebody in their seats. I hope it does. So I heard somebody say, shake it. The reason many of us don't live clean is we don't feel he's worthy. what I mean by living clean. You know exactly what I mean. By living holy lives. By living pure. Because if we understood him and his worth, you know what? That's what worship is. Worth-ship. How much he's worth. How much you discover. How much, how much of a revelation you, you get on how worthy he is. If we understand how worth it he was, you would wait till marriage. Oh, Lord Jesus. Somebody say hallelujah. If, if, you, if you, listen, we don't give our lives totally to him because we don't understand how worthy he is. If we understood, we would be like the man who found the treasure in the field. Do you remember the parable of the pearl hidden in the field? A man goes in a field and he's digging and he's digging and he finds a pearl and then he goes and he goes, he sells everything he has just to purchase the field. Why? Because it was worth everything that he had. When you, when you truly get a revelation of who Jesus is, 
you will put down anything that comes in the way. You will give up anything that comes between you and your relationship with him. We don't give certain things up. We don't give certain addictions up. Come on, we don't preach like this no more. We don't give certain addictions up. We don't give certain habits up. Come on, we don't give up certain attitudes because we don't understand how worthy, how worth it he is. We don't give up our son, all of our Sunday mornings. And I know we, I'm kind of picking a little bit. I'm halfway joking. Halfway. But we don't give up every one of our Sundays because we don't understand how he is. You know what I said to the Lord? I said, Lord, if it interrupts my schedule, I made a deal with him. If it interrupts my schedule on Sunday morning, it's not from you. Oh, I know that's hard. Everybody's looking like, oh, Lord Jesus. I missed a few Sundays this year. And I think that's okay. And, and people get sick and there's situations you have to go do things. I understand all of that. But what I, but what I am saying is, is he should be of utmost priority. If, if you love something, my wife, my wife, Saturday morning, she makes sure he, she has breakfast on Saturday because that's the only day I'm home that morning. So she makes sure she cooks her husband bacon, eggs, biscuits, and gravy. Come on, how many Southerners do I have in the house? I still am old-fashioned. She makes sure because she loves me, and she makes that a priority on Saturday because it's the only time I get made breakfast. We, 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 we carve out time for that which we love and that which we appreciate. Let me ask you this morning. How worthy is he to you? How worth it is he to you? When we wake up in the morning, what is the first thing that we do? If, you would, if we would just look at our, see, we need preaching like this again. We, we need to, the Bible says, search yourselves to see whether or not you're in the faith. In other words, you know what I pay attention to? You want to know how I'm on track? Can I just tell you my personal secrets? Watch, I watch my desires very closely. I watch what I listen to, not because I'm being religious about it, but I feel like if, 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 if I'm not desiring to be with God first in the morning or I'm wanting to jump on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or I'm wanting to cut on the TV or I'm wanting to do certain things, I'm not saying that is a sin, but what I am saying, it doesn't say everything about your desires, but it says something. It says that he's not first. <laughs> Who am I preaching to? It says that he's not priority. It's not just about tithing 10% of our money. Does he get the first of your day? Does he get precedence and first on your priority list. Is he worthy? Look at somebody and say, is he worthy? I am getting more and more concerned with the church. Leonard Ravenhill had a burden, and I love Leonard Ravenhill. How many have heard of Leonard Ravenhill? You have to look him up. Look, almost nobody. You have to look up Leonard Ravenhill. He died in 1994. He was an old revivalist from Europe. There's nobody, see, when, when he was here, they didn't value him as much. They were like, wow, he's really tough. I mean, if you had preachers in the room, if this guy preached, every preacher would be up on their face. I mean, this guy lived and breathed revival, repentance, and just, he's an amazing man of God. I, 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 I just, I would love to play a clip for, for you, but he just, he had this innate ability unlike few that when he preached, the convicting power of God would enter the room. And in his messages, many of them 
were recorded, uh, some of them just black and white, and even some in color back in the early 90s. But literally, you would hear the preacher. The, he would go to conferences where preachers were, and they would be up on their face crying. Giving, I'm talking about giving their hearts to Jesus afresh. I mean, he, 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 gave the, he had the convicting power of the gospel. I mean, there was an anointing on him to preach the gospel. Almost like a, you know, like a good salesman who can sell ice to an Eskimo. I mean, if you didn't get saved in his meetings, you just, you were what the Bible calls uh, unreachable. Oh, they're looking up Linda Ravenhill right now. That's the conviction power of the Holy Spirit. He carried this burden for the church. I love that. He carried this burden for the church. I love this scripture. My life scripture is, and I've told this to you guys before, zeal for your house has eaten me up. This was what Jesus quoted. It was in the Old Testament. He said he would, on the television, when he'd see a man, and I've been guilty of this, he said, he said I watched masses come forward to get prayed for, and the, and the world's leading evangelist at the time, which I believe this was either in the early 90s or late 80s, he said, it's just gonna take one minute for you to give your heart to the Lord. And, and, I, and I teared up when, when Ravenhill said this. And when you have a burden, you're moved by things like this. He said he went home and cried. He said, does it take one minute for a person to get right with the Lord? Does it, does it take one minute to put aside their thousands of sins in their life? Does it take one minute to make their to, to convert from 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 a lifestyle of sin and, and, and giving their lives to the Lord to enter into eternity. He said it doesn't take one minute. He said he went home and he cried. But he had this innate ability to bring conviction to people. And, and I feel a great burden as I'm growing in my relationship with the Lord. He said these words. He said people wanted my anointing because they valued him more after he died than he was alive. That's how you know a good preacher. They didn't really accept him when he was here, but now... He said, after, before he died, people would come to him and say, I want you to lay your hands on me. I want your mantle. And he said, you may want my mantle, but you don't want my sackcloth and ashes. But, but I am greatly concerned for the church at large. Because many people, and this is not a bad thing, what I'm about to say, but many people come to church to grow instead of coming to worship him because he's worthy. There's nothing wrong with wanting to grow. The Apostle Paul said, until we grow up in all things, until Christ is formed in me. That is a good thing. But if the only reason we try to get close to Jesus is because we want to, get per to be a good person, we are missing it. God may work with that in the beginning, but there will come a time to where the cross will get very heavy and he will see if you will follow him at any cost. And can I just tell you this morning... I'll tell you what Catherine Coleman said with her long finger. She said, it costs much, but it's worth the cost. Look at somebody and say, it's worth the cost. He's worthy of our worship. And a third reason and a third thing I identified in this story with Paul and Silas when they were praying is what stood out to me is the power that's in worship. The power. Everybody say the power. 
the power that's in worship. One of the reasons why we linger up here, many of you may not understand it, but can I just tell you there is power in worship? This may freak you out a little bit. I have seen just in worship, I've seen demons come out of people without people laying hands on them. That's too much. Some people are like, oh, Lord Jesus. What are they talking about here? The Bible talked about it, so we talk about it. We don't talk about what the Bible doesn't talk about. I can tell you that was my experience. I was a young man. I, wasn't, I, hadn't, I had no intention on going into my notes, but somebody needs to hear this. It's a bit of an embarrassing story, but I'll bear it. So I was in my late teens, and I was going after the Lord. I didn't get called up during an altar call or anything like that. But, you know, my dad was murdered when I was, when I was nine. And so, you know, we grew up in the Pine Hills area and we didn't make the greatest decisions. And my mom tried to do the best she could. She was a single mom. And, um, but we ran the streets as, as a young kid. And, and so my brother, he's going to face 30 years in, in, in prison he gets out on a 13-month um, sentence in the Orange County Jail, my eldest brother. Um, and when he went to jail, he, he met a pastor in there, and he was a praying pastor. And so for the next 13 months, my brother learned prayer. He learned worship, and he learned warfare. And he needed to understand these principles because of how bound his brothers were. There's four of us, oldest sister, Daniel, there's Matt, and then myself, and of course our eldest sister. But my brother Daniel would be praying for me. He would be praying for me, and I would feel his prayers. I'd be out like a heathen doing some terrible things, and I'd feel my brother's prayer, and I'd, Lord, leave me alone. You know, I didn't want the Lord to bother with me, and I would just, you could kind of feel the effect. And, and so when he gets out, he brings me to a church service, and all these people are speaking in this language. I'm like, what are they doing in here? I, and I walk into the sanctuary, and I literally, it felt like acid on an open wound. And, and in my mind, the enemy is like, these people, this is an occult, this, you need to get out of here. Problem is, I didn't have a ride, I was stuck. And so literally, the pressure got so heated. And, and I, now mind you, I was dealing drugs for about five years at that point. So, and I did all kinds of terrible things. Hurt people, you, you, you pretty much name it. It's not the person you're looking at now. I looked completely change and transform. I'm in the sanctuary. I couldn't even stand any longer. They're worshiping and they won't stop worshiping and they're worshiping for about an hour. My knees hit the ground and I have to go into the back of the sanctuary on the chair. I literally had to lay down. I fell asleep. I woke up completely delivered. Everything that I was struggling with, the addictions, the pressures. And I just knew in my mind, if I could just stay in the presence of the Lord, I didn't understand it all, but when I got up, I had no taste for what I just came out of. And listen, I had nobody to lay hands on me. I had nobody, and I believe in laying hands, but let me just tell you something. When you worship, your worship is powerful and it's not just for you. Come on, it's not just for you. Look at somebody and say, it's not just for you. When I got up, those tormenting thoughts that I, well, my life was plagued with, the anger that I felt towards God, I felt, I, I, I said, Lord, you took my dad. I had all these things I thought God did to me, all these lies that I bought into. When I walked into this sanctuary that was filled with worship from the saints, 
I was delivered. It took about an hour, but every demon that had me bound, every shackle, every chain, every bit of depression, the power of worship. Do not underestimate the power of worship to deliver, to heal, to set you free. Look at somebody and say, don't underestimate the power of worship. And this is something, this is this worship that took place in this Philippian jail with Paul and Silas was something that was supernatural. And your worship is supernatural. If you could see what happens in the spirit realm when you worship, you would worship a whole lot more. If you've seen what happens in the spirit realm when you pray, you would pray more. And a lot of people I hear them say, oh, it, it was the Lord that broke the the stocks off of their feet and broke the chains off. And, and that is true. The, the Lord did. What vehicle did God use? What vehicle did God get in in order to break the chains? You're wondering why your situation isn't changing and God is wondering, why won't you just worship me? Give me a vehicle whereby I can move on your behalf. If you would just pray, if you would just worship, if you would just set your face towards me, I would change the atmosphere in your life. Come on, you would be shocked, just as I said before. Do you know that when you worship, the Bible says this, where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst. You think your loved one who's bound by a few drugs and some alcohol is too big? Let me tell you something. Once you get this in your spirit, once you get this, get this revelation that your worship will actually vicariously, I, I, I used this word this morning, you can vicariously worship and get somebody else free just on the level of your worship. <laughs> it wasn't my own doing when I walked in that sanctuary and got set free from drugs and alcohol and addiction and rage and all these different things. I wasn't worshiping. Come on, look at somebody and say, it's your worship. Look at somebody else and say, your worship might set me free this morning. Worship, come on, angels join in. Jesus walks in the room. Come on, angels get dispatched. Did you know your worship commands angels on your behalf? Come on, bondages are destroyed. Yokes are broken. Appetites are changed. The things that I used to want, I don't want no more. Because when you walk and you step into the heavenly realm where God dwells, which is in worship, everything changes. The atmosphere changes. Your mind changes. Your heart changes. Come on, somebody say amen. It changes. And here's the thing. There's a big difference between singing and worshiping. Oh. Y'all didn't, that, that's why we're lingering more because we want to worship. We're, we're okay with singing songs and singing it verbatim, but we want to enter in behind the veil. We're tired of the outer court. God is tired of this outer court experience with his church. He's welcoming us beyond the veil. He's saying, come deeper, come into, from singing, come into a, a realm of worship where I can meet with you face to face. Did you know there's a scripture in the Old Testament? I believe it's in Exodus. Do you know he says this? God says this. Look at somebody and say, God said it. He said, with my prophets, I speak to them in a dream, in a vision, but not so with my servant Moses. I speak to him face to face. I desire that. I want to stir you up with a holy jealousy this morning. Do you know that God has been speaking? I know this sounds crazy, but he's been speaking to me, Matt. Listen to this. Usually he would speak to me through the word and my heart gets convicted. But lately he's been, he's been speaking to me in between, it sounds weird, in between me being asleep and awake. And it's, and it's almost audible. It's almost audible. Where I, 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 I almost hear his voice speaking. 
but it's usually in one, one word phrases. And this is what God wants to do. He wants to draw us closely to where we walk with him and talk with him to where we can hear him call us by name. It's a relationship. But listen, this is why God is calling us back to the garden where Adam walked with him, talked with him, and had a relationship with him. Do you know why the enemy sends the onslaughts of attacks in our life? Because the enemy doesn't want you to enter that type of relationship. He's okay with you coming to church. I'm talking about the enemy. He's okay with you going to church. He's okay with you going through the motions. He's okay with you reading your Bible. I know you probably never thought a preacher would say that, but you know what he's not okay with you? Getting close. Worshiping. Understanding the power of your worship. Songs stir the human heart, but worship moves the heart of God. Always remember that. Songs will stir the human heart, but worship, and it moves the heart of God to action. And this is exactly what happened to Paul and Silas. There's some people in this room that have been saved for 20 years. Maybe, you've been, maybe you're not saved at all this morning. But I can only imagine that each and every one of us, including me, I will include myself in that, where, where there's an area of our lives where our ankles are bound to the stocks. And my encouragement to you and to myself this morning is sing and worship those stocks off. Worship him until the atmosphere in your life changes, until God sends an earthquake on your behalf. And maybe, it's, maybe your stocks is a family member being bound. Maybe that's your heart is bound to that this morning. Maybe it's for somebody else because oftentimes it's not just about us. Maybe you're heavy hearted about a loved one, a child, a cousin, an aunt, or an uncle. Vicariously worship. I mean, worship. Did you know that we as a region, we can, as a community, as a church community, we can worship so much that God will visit this community and change the community? We can, we can offer prayers up to God that he, would, that he would see fit to where he would stop in and say, I want to answer those prayers. That is my intention for this community. He wants to move on our behalf. Can I tell you this? He wants to move more than you want him to move. He anxiously, not anxiously, he, he passionately waits for us if they would only believe me. If they'd only pray, give me something to work with. If they'd only worship me with true, unadulterated ways, I would move on their behalf. And what I love about this worship set with Paul and Silas, I love this, is that they didn't do it because they were in front of a crowd. This was in most part private. Everybody say private. private. With the exception of some other inmates. And of course, there was a jailer there, which, which says it doesn't take a crowd to move the Holy Spirit. You know what most, what we, what we call moving of the Holy Spirit many times is just having a crowd of people with emotionalism? Oh, don't shut me down now. Most of what we call, I feel the Holy Spirit, 
is a lot of people just getting together and singing. Not so with Paul and Silas. It took two or three. And an earthquake entered the room and set them free from what had them bound. God doesn't need a lot of people. He just needs a few true worshipers. Look at somebody and say, he just needs you. Look at somebody else and say it. He just needs you. Just needs some true worshipers. When I think about this, guys, and you can come up, worship team, if you'd like. They seem to be pretty engaged. They don't want to move. When I think about worship, I can't help but think about the atmosphere of heaven. This is where I think we've got it wrong, Matthew. God said, I desire my kingdom to come and my will to be done on as it is where. When you think about the setting of heaven, when you think about it, when you read the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, last book of the New Testament, all you're seeing, you're not seeing sermons go on. You're not seeing, you're not seeing prophet. I'm sure that's kind of happening there. I'm sure they sit down and they discuss the word of God. But, but the setting is worship. This is a dressing room for eternity. If you don't want to worship now, you will not feel comfortable in heaven. I'm not talking about now. It is, there's times I've been in meetings when it's just singing and I, can I be honest? Can I just do some confession? I feel like I'm in a Catholic church. Open the little door, my confession. I've been in some meetings I wish I wasn't in. You know, like, when does this service but let me tell you something. But I've also been in services where the Holy Spirit is moving in such a deep, profound way that hours can go by lingering in his presence. You're refreshed. You're rejuvenated. You're strengthened. And that's what the atmosphere of heaven does. And this is why it's so critical to live a worshipful life is number one. It's priming you and getting you ready for something that you are going to spend eternity doing. Eternity worshiping Jesus. I can sing of your love forever. How many know that song? Most people, some people cannot understand that because, and this is what I love about God is that the angels, when they surround the throne of God and described in Revelation, they cry out, holy, holy, holy. And here's what I love about worship is that I get to experience a different side of Jesus every time I worship him. That's why they call him holy. Because that word holy simply means this, to be set apart. And when you really get to know the Lord, this is what I love about him, is there's, there's this endless stream of understanding when you get to know him. In other words, it's not like your spouse or a friend. You know, like we get tired of people. <laughs> They're interesting at first. And then after a month or two or a year, we're like, I pretty much have their number. You know, it's they, their, their depth comes to an end eventually. Not so with God. And this is why it's so amazing to worship because there's this, there's this wellspring of 
understanding him in different ways, deeper ways. And when I worship him, I've, I've worshiped him and I've learned that he's a, he's a healer. I've worshiped him and understood him and found him to be a deliverer. I, I've worshiped him and understood him to be my banner, my, my, the one who fights my battles, the, the one who goes before me as a consuming fire. You, you, you worship him and worship him and you get to understand different levels of him. And lastly, as you all stand to your feet, I love this verse of scripture. And it says it in one of the last verses that when they were worshiping, when Paul and Silas were worshiping, there's this, it's a small little verse in there that we read. You can put it up on the screen if you can. It says, suddenly there was a great earthquake when they were worshiping. So that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately, how many doors opened? How many doors opened? All the doors opened. Every need is met. In worship, every need is met. Every human need you have, every spiritual need you have, in this moment, whatever it is you need from the Lord, if you engage into a level of worship, every need can be met. Everybody say all needs. All doors will get open. And listen to this. And it goes on to say, and everyone's chains were loosed. Everyone's chains were loosed. You know, we can worship so much, as I mentioned before, the communities that are up and down Wymore can be set free. And, and, and everyone who's in this place, wherever you are bound, wherever you feel shackled, wherever you feel imprisoned, in whatever area of your life where you feel your feet are locked to the stocks, maybe the enemy has put you there. Maybe the enemy has put you in the stocks. Maybe it was a family member's decision that has put you in stocks. But can I tell you, worship will bring a spiritual earthquake to such a degree in your life that all the doors will be open and everybody's chains that are in this place will get loosed. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77. 977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.